But if you're going to live for a hundred years, which is very normal now, people can be retired for longer than they've worked. And that's quite a shock when we talk about that. And what we're saying is don't just think about this as filling a bit of time. They need to think about purpose then if they do retire. So what employers can do now is to think about helping people to talk about what they want to do next. Hi everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of All About HR. My name is Nelly, I'm your host and for today's episode I got to sit down with Victoria Tomlinson. Victoria is the CEO and founder of Next Up and our conversation was all about unretirement and the generation of wasted talent. Now this is a topic that I am personally super excited about so I cannot wait to share it with you. But before we dive right into that conversation, as always, if you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to our channel, hit that notification bell and like this video. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of All About HR. Now, Victoria, let me welcome you on the show. How are you? I'm good, but I'm really wanting to interview you, to be honest, because I love the fact that you're young and that you're passionate about this subject. And I really want to know why. But anyway, we're here. So thank you for asking me, Nelly. <laughs> you're very welcome. Victoria, before we get to the really to the topic that uh, we are going to uh, talk about, perhaps you can tell our audience a little bit more about um, yourself and also about Next Up and what you're doing. Okay, so I never once cared about age, but it all becomes quite relevant. So I start by saying it's a bit like starting an AA meeting. I'm Victoria Tomlinson, I'm Chief Executive Next Up, and I'm 67, and I want to work for another 30 years, if God allows me to. And I've got a long career, so I'm not going to bore you with that. I started in manufacturing. Uh, I used to travel all the world for a banknote printer. I was with EY and on the leadership team in London. And then I founded a PR marketing and it became a digital business. And out of that, three, four years ago, I launched Next Up to help people coming up to retirement. And we can talk a bit more because I suddenly found people who wanted to use their skills and they were really struggling. And I realized we talk about retirement as if it's this sort of joyous TV ad skipping on a beach in a sunny something or other. And actually it's an extremely difficult time and we're wasting the talents of people. Yeah. Yeah, and that is a very, very nice bridge, actually, Victoria, to the very reason that I invited you on the podcast, really. But for our audience, I will give a little bit of context. So earlier this year, Victoria gave a TED talk called A Generation of Wasted Talent. And yeah, as I said, that was the reason that I reached out to Victoria, because I feel that this really is a topic that we don't talk about enough and that can also have a tremendously positive impact uh, on the world of work. But let's take a step back. Let's start at the beginning. Um, and Victoria, maybe you can uh, tell us in a few words, uh, yeah, what your talk was about. Well, it was this bit about people today are retiring and they are desperate to use their skills in new ways when they leave their old companies or whatever. And 
I discovered that they're quite lost. There's a real mental health problem going on and nobody's talking about it. And I was meeting, it started because I was meeting people who were quite senior and they had hated LinkedIn. And then suddenly they realised that when you're on your own, we don't have telephone directories anymore. How does anyone know who you are, what you're doing, where you are? And were coming to me to help them with LinkedIn, with their CV, with introductions. And they had expected there just to be a world of opportunities. They had all their careers, had people coming to them, and they felt a personal failure. And what I realized was that people are having a difficult time, but nobody's really talking about it. It's such a difficult time. No one's really admitting to this, almost not to themselves how, how tough it is. And they can say, oh, yes, I'm retired. I'm looking after the grandchildren. I'm having lots of time for lunch. But when you got under that and heard the real stories, it was really, it was not happy. And I think we haven't got to terms with this 100-year life and what does it really mean for everybody, individuals, employers, society, everyone. Yeah, absolutely. And I am going to touch on that later on uh, because we are going to make this very tangible and we're going to look at what each and every one of us can do in that regard uh, and also society as a whole. But before we get there, Victoria, I know that you were in your in your TED talk, you were also saying that you did some research and uh, you found that uh, skills, they aren't really used and recognized for 75% of people over 50. And you also found that 87% of companies, they aren't investing in advanced IT skills for people over 50. Now, why do you believe that companies are kind of, well, let's say forgetting uh, this part of their workforce? I think there's quite a complicated reason, but I'm going to simplify where I think, because it was a really good question that you asked me in a different way, Naily. And what I think it started with was, it's going back to this sort of tech issue to some extent, where I used to have my old business, I mentioned it was PR, digital, etc. And I spent a lot of time trying to get business leaders owning social media. There are huge opportunities they didn't understand, but also huge risks. And they just weren't, they weren't involved. And they kind of, what they allowed to happen was that the younger generation came in. They didn't have the skills really that they needed on social media. But bosses all go, oh, they understand tech, which is huge. And you can't, when you're 19, 20, understand tech or social media, if I'm honest. And they allowed people to disassociate from technology and it became okay to say oh I don't do tech it was almost a sort of brand oh you know I'm so wonderful and and wise and old I I wouldn't get into this awful social media into technology into whatever so it's become acceptable for the older generation not to get into tech employers didn't invest in the technology I mean this was a shocking finding when I found it it was construction companies and they said 87% said it wasn't necessary to invest in advanced IT skills of the 50 plus generation but just stop a minute that's the generation that are managing and supervising the younger people they're making the business case and the investment and no wonder we don't use technology properly because if they had trained those people in advanced IT, they would then have thinking, we need to rethink how we do this work. We need to rethink. We don't need people here. We should be redoing everything. Instead of which, we get technology coming in added on into existing rather than really using that opportunity. So I think the problem has really become that, to, obviously, if you're not investing in those IT skills, 
employers are seeing them as not relevant anymore because they don't understand tech, etc. And it's been seen as a kind of they're rather deadwood, if you like, that the few people who do own and take their own training into their hand, it's fine. But as a workforce, people are being seen as not relevant, not useful, not engaged, etc. And then then you don't use them and you don't use their opportunities and you don't invest. And it's, it's all a vicious circle. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as I mentioned uh, at the start uh, of our conversation, I, I really believe, and I assume you do too, because otherwise you wouldn't be doing what you're doing, that there lies a huge opportunity here for both people who are soon to be retired or already retired, as well as organizations who are struggling to find uh, good people I would really like to talk for a minute about how we can rethink age and uh, retirement. Starting with, uh, what can employers do in this regard? Well, it's interesting. So the, I've got two parts to our business and we're, we're kind of at the cutting edge. It's quite hard to sell, to be honest, because it's all new. But once employers get it, it's amazing what happens. So we're working with professional firms and senior people running workshops for them. And actually what happens is people have... It, this whole retirement problem is, is a real issue in companies. Nobody wants to talk. They talk about the R word. They won't even talk about retirement. So it's it's we've got age discrimination legislation now, which makes it harder to open up and discuss what, what are your plans about the future. So employers are tied in knots, and I get that. You know, it's not an easy landscape for them. I think there's partly people think, oh, you've done a really, you've been really loyal, you've given us 20, 30, whatever years. Let's just let you glide into and, you know, have a happy retirement. When the individual is going through stacks of emotions, and what's happening with the workshops is people are going, do you know, I had somebody say um, after the workshop, do you know, I haven't even told my wife or my secretary that I'm here because I don't want to talk about the R word at all. And he said, now I realise that's ridiculous. I need to talk about it. I need to plan. I need to, to do succession planning and help. I need to start thinking about my future. And you sort of think, what have we just unlocked there for the employer? And he's saying, I'm suddenly realizing I've got a whole future that I could do all sorts of things, whereas I thought I was just going to think about a couple of years did I do this and that. But if you're going to live for 100 years, which is very normal now, people can be retired for longer than they worked. And that's quite a shock when we talk about that. And what we're saying is don't just think about this as filling a bit of time, but really think. And for some people, they want to retire. And we're not trying to stop people if they do. They need to think about purpose then if they do retire. So what employers can do now is to think about helping people to talk about what they want to do next. They invest heavily in the early years of careers. They invest almost nothing at the end of people's careers, you know, not just tech, but in all sorts of things. So I think, first of all, if they were to put age into their diversity, their DNI strategy, and started dicing the stats by age, a whole bunch of things would come out. It would come out that employees are not engaged at this age. They don't feel their skills are used. And they would then start thinking about what are we doing wrong and have discussions and expecting more of people. And if they're preparing people for retirement, I can hardly better, you know, I can hardly better use that word. Then they can also think about what else could they be doing now that would help them in the future and add value to the organization now. So, for instance, we're trying to get people looking at every company has ESG initiatives. 
you know, zero carbon target emission targets and things like more women into leadership positions, recruiting from more diverse pools. I could go on. Now, this would be a great thing for people to get involved in before they leave to start adding on to what they're doing. They would add huge value because a lot of this is people skills, relationship skills. And they would then be getting something new that's topical and relevant once they've left that they might want to continue on in another way there. So I think the other bit that's happened is that employers, for the nicest reasons, don't want to bother their employees once they've left who, you know, let them enjoy retirement, not understanding they would love to be bothered. And actually, what they should be doing is working together to say, look, what would you like to do for the future? And how could we use your skills in the organisation? Something that I was thinking of when I was preparing for our podcast today is that people unretiring, I can also uh, see organisations then think, okay but what would that mean you know for instance for our succession for our talent succession plans and if and but but i think something that 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 uh, we should perhaps make clear here is that unretiring it doesn't necessarily mean that people are just going to stay longer in the role that they're actually in at the moment right it's it's more about uh, that's how i understood it anyhow yeah no 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 you're absolutely right Yes. So if I explain what I, we see as unretirement, it's leaving. It's quite hard, all this language. There isn't a vocabulary around for it all. So what we're saying is you've left full time work. You don't want another full time job in that kind of career ladder, aspiring, climbing the whatever pole. But what you want to do is use your skills in and probably in new ways. Uh, you know, we're working with lawyers. They don't most of them. In fact, I think all of them that I've worked with, nobody wants to be a lawyer still. But what we're looking at is all those skills that they've acquired through their career. And most of it's not to do with the law, actually. It's about managing people. It's about building relationships. It's it's all sorts of things there and expertise. So it's actually how they use those skills at this next stage. And what most people want is they don't want that 24-7 lifestyle. That's what kills most people in terms of enjoying their job. It's the planes at three o'clock in the morning it's on the trains it's those endless meetings that kind of hamster wheel they don't want that anymore let me explain what we've done we've been getting um unretired people to mentor tech entrepreneurs and that was me slightly being sneaky to get them into tech without them kind of realizing and initially the people go oh i can't do tech and they went back to that old thing again oh i can't do tech and i've said don't worry these younger generation they know all the tech they need don't worry what they miss is things like the people skills we've done some sessions where they the i could hear i went around the room of a mentoring session going on and I could hear the older generation going, I'm sorry, just can you explain your business again? I don't understand it. And I thought, actually, and the, the younger ones were going, this is brilliant because I've only been talking to people in my own bubble, if you like, who understand. And actually, if I'm going to get out funding, if I'm going out for funding, I'm going to have to explain to white middle-aged men and women or whatever and they don't understand this so I'm going to have to rethink how do I explain this so that's a classic example there of what the older generation can bring to the youngest and very often there were a lot of people issues that they had and as soon as I, I remember one person saying as soon as I started telling it was a table and, and there was a session there she said when I started explaining my problem I could see in all your eyes you knew exactly what the problem was and she said I've been struggling for months with this and 
what the problem was was I won't go into details, but she was in different timescales and she did everything by email. And she said it always worked well in London when she was there or in New York when she was there. But she said it's it's not working in all the other, and it's because she needed to talk to people when they. It was really obvious what was happening here. So I think there's such such a lot that the older generation can offer, and we're we are wasting that experience. Yeah, I mean, I hundred percent agree. And in that regard, there was something else I was thinking, uh, uh, Victoria. It's also that in that regard, perhaps, yeah, the, the gig work could be really could be working really well, or not. There's a lot of gig work where people are not well treated. Let's just say it like that. And actually, what people care about at this stage, to be honest, a lot of people retiring at the moment, the money is not the hot the top priority for them. Yes, they might like, and particularly with the current cost of living issues, that yes, they may want more money, they may need more money. But actually, what's more important to them at this stage is feeling valued and treated well. And they have got choices. And you know, we've, we've got this big thing going on about the older generation don't want to carry on working or come back to the workforce. And it's because they have choices now and employers need to think about what motivates them. And this is all about feeling that you're being valued and respected and that you're 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 adding value here it's so good people don't just want to come into an office and be given a whole pile of something and never talk to anybody in a corner or whatever that is not going to turn it on for the older generation and I, I, we're generalizing here because for some people they may need the money and that will be fine you know that, that will do me but i'm thinking about generally and it doesn't really matter i have been initially working with senior people but i'm now beginning to realize this is firemen policemen nurses you know, it's people, people who've been administrators, receptionists, man, it doesn't matter what you've been. The issues are really uh, very across the whole board. They're the same. And so you'd briefly mentioned them here. Some people, they do not want to continue to work. But so and again, yeah, that, that this would be generalizing a little bit, I guess. But what is inhibiting these people from wanting to return uh, to the workforce? To be honest, once people have left that full time work, they need a bit of time to readjust mentally but what has happened what I'm seeing now so we've just had uh, Caroline who's an associate of ours has just done a blog she, she took on a trustee role for a charity it's a hospice and she was there for a couple of years and she suddenly realized this was more rewarding to her than her paid job so she wasn't being paid for this new role and she said it was the turning point when she realized I'm getting more out of this voluntary role than I am from work she said I was learning massively so she said it was very complex she was learning about the issues of helping people at this stage of life their families about funding what care they need she said it was extremely challenging you know getting funding and things is really hard but she said I really felt I could add value to them and I felt personally rewarded so it wasn't about the money at all and I'm seeing this time and again it, I'm not saying that money doesn't matter because it, it of course does and she said you don't spend as much once you're unretired you know the clothes the parking the travel the you, you know the lunches the, the prep lunches and the coffees that you pick up she said it's amazing what you waste what, that you don't need and she said and she would be typical of a lot of people I see where they say, once you've got over that initial status problem, yes, it is to start with, it, you know, people say one minute I was kind of God up here. And then the next Monday, 
uh, who am I? Uh, I'm nobody. So that is a shock to people. But once they've got over that bit of it, well, then status doesn't really matter so much anymore. And we ask people, what matters to you at this next stage? They do a questionnaire before our workshops. And we ask them, status, money, or feeling useful and relevant? It's always feeling useful and relevant. A few people put money. A status goes nowhere. It, it very few. Yeah, of course, one or two people go, yeah, I still mind about that. And that's fine. But very few really matter about that. But this is actually really great to hear, I think, Victoria, that what matters most is what matters most is, is, is feeling useful and valued. Now, I, I mentioned this a couple of times already, but let's uh, talk for a bit about what practical things we can do. Let's start big and, you know, narrow down. So first of all, I think society has contributed to how we are thinking of people who are retiring or already retired. So let's start with that one. So um, what are your thoughts on that? So my piece of change advice would be think of somebody who's 60 or 70 as if they were 30 or 40. So expect more of them. Think of them as being hugely able and capable and contributing. Society generally has got to stop seeing an aging population as a problem and they've got to start thinking of them as the opportunity. There are, of course, a huge number of, of uh, I don't say problems, but issues around an aging population. But do you know what? People, when they're retiring at 50, 60s, they actually have got another 20 or so years of really valuable contribution. And the more that we keep them active, the less they will become lonely, isolated in nursing homes. And retirement itself, I have realized so many medical people say you age 10 years within two years of retiring if you're not actively involved and you become mentally and physically ill. So we are creating this problem of aging by not using the skills. So there's a massive issue here. So I think what we can do is to rethink how we think about people. And I would suggest everybody should go and talk to somebody who retired in recent times and understand what's it really like, really get to understand that and then think, what could we have done as an employer? As somebody, a friend, family, what could we have done differently? How would you say companies can get started straight away? What have you and the companies that you are working with, what have you seen them do? So, as I say, I only launched Next Up just over, coming up to four years ago. And of course, COVID hit everything. So that, you know, this was not a priority for most people that year. Um, but so what we're trying to do is we're starting conversations. We have got, we're actually doing a lot of things. We've created an online platform and I would love to work with employers to, with getting people testing it. We've got some amazing names here, but it's all slow, you, you know, and I haven't got all the evidence. I know what's going to work, but I haven't necessarily got the proof. But what I think they can do is come and talk to us, first of all. Uh, we would love to help and to see what we can do. And this doesn't have to be expensive. It's not a, it, the return is going to be 10 times more than any investment. It's really small. I was talking to a college yesterday and he said, oh my God, I love this. He said, we've got a skills shortage. Um, people are retiring. I said, well, what, what conversations do you have with people before they retire? Silence. I said, well, that's the first place to start. And I said, look, let's just talk about, let's work with a pilot group. And let's, first of all, have those conversations. They can, they can solve their own problems here. They can solve your skills crisis to some extent and all the rest. So the second thing is put age in as part of your diversity, DNI 
strategy, measurements. And when you start looking at the figures by age, you will be shocked. And it would be obvious the things that you could be doing. Um, I think also, you know, the big firms and the kind of global names like McKinsey's have huge alumni groups. And it all sounds a bit grand and kind of all very kind of senior, whatever. But actually, you know, when I started my career all those years ago, I was in manufacturing. They used to have uh, clubs they were kind of like a working men's club that they used to have where people could come back and they'd play snooker and have a beer and whatever because they were mostly the men. And it strikes me that we've stopped this kind of community bit that used to go on. And I know that ICI, somebody I work with, her husband had a role for ICI and he goes and sees, I think he might still do it, he goes and sees people who have retired. Now, every year to check they're okay and whatever now that's all a bit paternalistic it's kind of rather an old-fashioned it's okay but actually what we need is the modern version of that is creating groups and sort of societies that are supportive that continue on but also that the employers could call on to say we've got this big project who'd like to get involved and I think that they would do it for free now I talked to a big bank about this and they said the trouble is if you do things for free then those skills aren't valued. And there is something behind that. So it's a question of finding these people would do it for free, but you've got to find a way that they're then valued and appreciated by other employees who are being paid. And you've got to make sure that they don't feel like their jobs are being taken because people are doing it for free. It's a question of how do they add value to what you're doing? And as I said, I wish I had more examples i've got lots of conversations employers are so interested but it's all just beginning and it's very slow so i would love anybody to come and talk and we can let's get the pilots and the evidence of all of this yeah absolutely but i do think that that will happen and i think it will continue to happen uh more and more victoria also what i always like to ask every guest um victoria uh, is um what they believe is the biggest cliche about hr I'm hesitating to say this because I want to make friends with HR. But I think the biggest cliche is that they're not business people. And I say that in the widest sense. And therefore, they don't look at things with the business head. I did a talk last year and I was talking about the whole DNI and things. And I think there's a lot of issues that we can have another discussion about what's happening with people talking about helping women. Now, I was a clear pioneering woman I was very far ahead I was the first woman in all sorts of things the only woman the leadership did blah, 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 all the rest of it but somebody said HR isn't there for the people it's there for the company this was a this was an asset management business leader and I have been working you're nodding mainly I can't understand the business is the people that's what we always say anyway I don't get this, so I kind of I'm left a bit. I don't know what the word is, but I, I kind of don't understand that. So for me, the biggest cliche. I'm sure it isn't right, but it is about they need to be more business engaged. That that would be my. And you meet some who are super super engaged and fantastic, and they really understand the business. But that would be my cliche. Thank you very much. And then there's. Another thing that I always like to ask Victoria, and it is um, if you would like to share an epic win and an epic fail with us. Now, this can be anything. It can be something personal, it can be something professional, it can be a combination of both. But um, yeah, so is there anything that comes to mind? Yes. So clearly, 
you know, I'm very excited about this business. Uh, you can probably tell. And I'm passionate about what we're doing. Um, and I don't feel like an old woman at all. So I'm still excited about what we're doing hugely. So the epic win was when we started winning workshops from Big Four, Magic Circle. I am like a child in terms of, oh, my God, we've done it, you know, and, and kind of being credible in that market. I, I, it is, it's huge to me. And I'm childish about with excitement about, you know, anybody starting a business. It doesn't matter what age. You've still got it in you. Yeah, we're, we're getting a difference. And the, the epic fail on the other side, I know we were talking about, this is really interesting. So I started this business because people were being sent to me, very senior people who needed help. And I thought, oh, God, this is a business helping individuals. And so we launched. I can't tell you how many people said you won't make it work with individuals. And I said, oh, yes. You know, I was a bit kind of smug, maybe. We've got evidence. They're coming to us. I've had dozens of people completely failed. And what was interesting, when we went out to the market, we bear in mind how many females there are percentage of that senior market 95 percent of the people who were paying us to help them were women that was extraordinary i know your face says it all i couldn't believe it so that was my fail thinking that i could make this work for individuals the men i think they think i can do it. it's a bit of pride there i don't need help etc uh the women just go i need help get on and Let's, well, how about find, let's pay it and get it on. So we had to flip the business then to, that's why we're now working with corporates. And I think actually we can make far more impact this way. I, I'm really pleased that it worked out that way, if I'm honest, because I think the, what the impact through organisations and society that we can do this way is huge. Whereas I don't think we'd have achieved the same We're working with individuals. We do still work with individuals if they come to us, but it's kind of not the core part of what we do anymore. Okay, Victoria, thank you so much for uh, for joining me for this episode. It was it was yeah, it was such a pleasure. I mean, this is it was hard for me to basically, you know, uh, keep things uh, short because this is really something that I could could talk could talk about for yeah for hours. But I have one last question for you though. So um, there's hopefully a lot of people in the audience that now want to reach out to you because they want to hear more about this and they want to see what they can start doing in their own organization in their own HR departments. So uh, where can people best uh, reach out to you? Okay, so I am, of course, on LinkedIn. You wouldn't expect anything else. But also, www, well, the W is next-up.com. Don't forget the hyphen is what we say. We have a podcast sharing stories about this time. But now and again, we interview people in this market. Perhaps we could do a mutual share sometime. I'd love that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I would be very, uh, very happy to, to join you, Victoria. It would be, would be yeah, it would be fantastic. Um, yeah, thank you so much. And uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in to today's episode. I really do hope that you enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, if you want to reach out to Victoria next up, please do so. And um, before you go, if you haven't done so yet, subscribe to the channel, hit that notification bell and like this video. Thank you so much. And see you soon again for another episode of All About HR. Bye. <laughs>